Hello, hello, and welcome back to another Athletics Baseball Podcast, episode 21, with your host, Taylor. Today, we will be talking about a little bit of a downer, I guess, but interesting. I I think that it's probably something that you haven't thought of, at least not in the way that I'm going to present it, which is a what-could-have-been episode, my first what-could-have-been, and it's going to be about Marcus Semyon. So what could have been for the A's if the A's had managed to keep Marcus Semyon? Whether it was a short-term deal, a long-term deal, the A's wanted to keep him, he wanted to stay, and all of his teammates on the team wanted him to stay as well. So we're going to be talking about that, and also I just want to throw it out there that as February is such a short month, it seems like I just did this two weeks ago, but next week, I think Thursday, is the first episode of March, and I'm going to try to do another baseball movie review on that episode, so a week from today. Now, before we get into the rest of the show, I would first like to remind you all that we have an Instagram, uh, we have a Twitter that does not get a lot of use right now, but it might later, and we have an email, and you can check us out on all of those. The Instagram, which receives frequent posts, is athletics underscore baseball underscore podcast and the twitter is athletics underscore pod p-o-d the email that you can toss out questions comments concerns or suggestions for ideas for new episodes or suggestions for what movie you would like me to watch next for another baseball movie review if you get them in real quick i will try to pick your movie or one of your movies, for my next one in a week. I haven't decided what movie I'm going to do yet. And that email is athleticsbaseballpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Again, athleticsbaseballpodcast at gmail. And finally, don't forget to send an email to the mayor of Oakland if you have the inclination to do so. Office of the mayor at oaklandca.gov politely let her know that you would like the A's to stay in Oakland. So, let's talk about Marcus Semyon. I'm sure you all know who Marcus Semyon is. He played on the A's for six years between 2015 and 2020. He was on the whole very, very good for the A's and now he's very, very good for not the A's. First, He spent a year with Toronto, where he was very, very good. And last year, he signed with the Rangers, where he actually did not start out very, very good. But he went on a hot streak, like, halfway through the season, from, like, the halfway point until the end that was just unbelievable if you paid attention to his performance at all, and I did because I had him 
on my fantasy roster. There was a point at which I benched him for uh, at least a month, and I had just sort of given up, and then for really no reason at all, maybe I had an injury or something somewhere, I started playing him, starting him right around the time he started heating up, and I obviously was very in tune because of that with his performance at that point, and he was, at that time, the last like half of the league, he was one of the top performers, and it seems like that might have just been you know, getting used to a new situation. That's the case for a lot of guys when they come into a new team, a new city. They've got to get settled and get their family settled, maybe. And it impacts their performance on the field until they sort of loosen up, warm up, whatever it is. So we sort of have an idea as to what we lost when we lost Marcus Semien because we saw his performance last year and the year before. Now, statistically, as far as, like, what he brought to the table versus what we had instead of him, which was Elvis Andrus, he, in... The the big deal, as far as statistically, with losing Marcus Semien was really 2021, because that was sort of our last window of opportunity, our last contention year with that core of players, that that team that we all loved. It was our last dance with Mark Canna. It was our last dance with, obviously, Matt Chapman and Matt Olson and several, several other guys that, you know, we... A lot of pitchers, you know, we... We basically, as you all know, I'm sure, were shattered into pieces following the 2021 season. So that was really the season. If we could only do one thing back in... Well, alright. If we could only do two things, if we could rewind the clock back to 2020 offseason, what I would do is I would... Not sign Trevor Rosenthal, nothing against him, but obviously we brought him in to be our dedicated closer after losing Liam Hendricks. He had a pinched, I think it's like a pinched artery in between his top rib and his collarbone, basically. I can't remember the clinical term, but that's obviously a very bad thing. It was on his throwing arm, of course, and... Uh, So he had to get surgery to fix that serious medical issue. And the surgery that you do for a player who has that condition is you remove their top rib. So we paid him $10 million to be out the entire season in 2021 because he was recovering from having his top rib surgically removed on his throwing arm side. Now, obviously, I'm not blaming him at all for anything that happened with that. Uh, As far as I know, that's just a sort of freak thing that happens to some guys that is a very serious issue, and now he doesn't have one of his ribs, 
and he may have had a nice contract and gotten paid, but ultimately he loses big time too, of course, with having had that happen to him. At that point, forget about the impact to his baseball career from his perspective. He is just trying to recover from this serious surgery. So that's still, regardless of that, that's the first change I would have made because with that money we could have gotten a different closer, we could have done various other things, and we also could have used some of it to lock up Marcus Semyon, which is the second thing that I would have done if I could go back with a time machine to the off season before the 2021 season. And all you need to do at the minimum, the bare minimum, is a one-year deal. Now, he had a phenomenal, phenomenal year in 2021 with Toronto. He, he hit 265, which is pretty good. It's really good when you hit 265 with 45 home runs. That's a 538 slugging and still a 334 on base for an 873 OPS. That's big time. And, you know, Toronto paid him $18 million for that season. Now, the Rangers are paying him $25 million per year for a seven-year contract. And, obviously, the A's were never going to sign Marcus Semien or anyone else to a seven-year, $25 million a year contract. All right? But they also, you know, displayed that they didn't want to pay him $18 million for the 2021 season. However, we paid Elvis Andrus a total of $15 million over two seasons. The 2021 season and the 2022 season. The 2022 season, the plan was already to tank. So we're paying a guy $7 million in 2022 and $8 million in 2021 when we don't need a good player in 2022 if we're tanking. So we could have used all that money, uh, all $15 million, to pay Marcus Semyon. There were some rumors that I saw that he would have accepted something in the 15 to $16 million range because he really wanted to stay in Oakland from reports and that he was willing to take a pay cut to do it. And the pay cut, you know, he probably, it seems like, would have taken a 2 to $3 million pay cut for a one-year deal like that, uh, not the $5.5 million pay cut based off of what the A's offered him, and reportedly, and we don't know the official numbers because the contract never got signed, but reportedly the A's offered him a really strange contract of $2.5 million for the first year for a one-year deal, and then a deferred $10 million of $1 million per year for 10 years which is insulting, obviously, and honestly, for a good player, right? You'd, you would just be like, wait a minute. 
you know, okay, it's one thing if you want to defer and it's like $15 million over two years, which is like what we gave to Elvis Andrus. And I like Elvis Andrus. He was a great clubhouse presence, and he actually stepped up his performance in 2022 for the team, which was pointless for us because we were in, we were deep, deep, deep in the rebuild where we're so deep in that rebuild last year (laughs) that having a good player is not actually important. Not unless they're a young guy who's like having his first year and it's a really good year in first year in the bigs. And if you're talking about a player who's older on the back half of his career and you know he's he's a team veteran he's making more money you don't need that on a team that is rebuilding you know that that's what you need when you're on a contending team and just going by the stats Marcus Semyon was much more effective as a player than Elvis Andrus was either in 2021 or 2022. So, yeah, just uh, makes a lot of sense to take the $15 million that we gave to Elvis Andrus and make an offer to Marcus Semyon at the time and say, we will pay you $8 million in 2021 and $7 million in 2022 for one season to actually give it a really good run for the playoffs uh, in 2021. And, you know, for what you're getting, you could even go a little bit higher, 16 million, you know, and he obviously would have been worth the 18 million, but the A's didn't want to do that. They could have offered him a qualifying offer for 18 million and like, you know, 250,000 or something. And then if he refused it, which he would not have, then the A's would have gotten a compensation draft pick. But, you know, (laughs) the frustrating thing is that what I'm saying, the one-year contract with Marcus Semyon, that is the bare minimum that we really should have done. Letting him walk had way, way bigger implications and impacts on the A's than most people actually realize because it wasn't just kind of taking us out of being competitive and we were really competitive in 2021 we just hit a mad slump at the wrong time and too late in the season couldn't come back from it you know it happens it's baseball but the question is what would have been if Marcus Semyon had been on the A's, obviously. And the A's had a great opportunity with Semyon in that offseason because the reality of his situation was the 2020 shortened season, he did not actually play very well. You know, if you don't remember, maybe you didn't pay attention to that season because things were crazy in a lot of different ways, but... He, he only had a 223 batting average with, uh, with only seven home runs. I know it's a shortened season, but, you know, that's like less than 20 home runs over 162-game season. 
So he went from the year before that, a 285 batting average with 33 home runs, to a 223 batting average with like 18 home runs or something. And that is just a huge, huge drop-off. And his his on-base, everything went down. And it was it was not something where we necessarily should have been worried about him not being able to... Not, basically being at that 2020 level going forward. He was, in all likelihood, I think most people thought he would have a really strong bounce-back year. But that down year has an impact on how much he costs on the free market. When he hits free agency and he has his his last year right before free agency sucks, then he's going to get paid less, whether it's a one-year deal or a five-year deal. And he might not want to take a five-year deal. That's a thing. But he he did love playing for the A's. He's a Bay Area native. He's a local, you know, and he reports were that he was willing to take a pay cut to play for the A's. So maybe you could have locked him up for a couple-a-year deal for $16 million, which would have been a huge deal with how he's performed these last couple of years. And the thing is, if the A's would have signed him to a couple-a-year deal, a multiple-year deal, whether it was a three-year deal or a five-year deal, or a lower-cost, you know, seven-year sort of deal, the A's could have gotten... It, it would have had more of an impact than just having one really good player on the team. Because the A's also wanted to keep Matt Chapman. And, you know, you get the, you get Marcus Semyon and Matt Chapman, and now maybe you keep another couple of other pieces, and you have a whole different A's team than we had in 2022, and a whole different trajectory for the future of the A's. And the A's would have maybe done it if they would have... They, I think they were close to making a, a nice offer, an acceptable offer to Marcus Semyon, and that they just decided not to do it. Matt Chapman really wanted to play with those other guys on the team, Marcus Semyon, Matt Olson, and everything else, uh, the whole the whole team as it was. And if the A's had went in for, let's say, a three-year deal with Marcus Semyon, $15 million a year, and if he had signed it, which he may have, because he was coming off a down year, he's a Bay Area native, he was willing to take a pay cut to stay on the A's, he, he really enjoyed playing on that team with all these other guys, and the, the young guys, the core had that much team control left at the time, three years from 2021 to 2022-2023. And signing him would have made it easier to sign Matt Chapman because Matt Chapman wanted to play with all these guys too, just like Marcus Semyon. And the A's offered Matt Chapman the biggest deal 
that DAs have offered uh, anyone, I think, a 10-year, $150 million offer, which is $15 million a year, but would have also bought out a couple of years of his uh, team control contract. So it would have essentially been a seven, you know, keeping the three years of team control and then a seven-year extension on top of that. So you can sometimes go a little bit lower on the offer when you're buying out someone's rookie contract because players typically make make less on that rookie contract. So you pay them a little bit more during the rookie contract years and you pay them a little bit less during the rest of the years. And 10 years, $150 million, $15 million a year. His agent, Scott Boris, biggest agent in baseball, he was adamantly against this offer. He basically refused to do it, even though Matt Chapman really, really wanted to do it. He wanted to stay in Oakland so bad. This is just what I've heard. Okay, he wanted to stay in Oakland so bad that he considered firing his agent, Scott Boris, the biggest agent in baseball, in order to accept the 10-year, $150 million deal from the A's. He was willing and considering firing his agent to stay on the A's and take a, a bit of a sweetheart deal, I think that we can say. And, you know, in that case, you've got Marcus Semyon on a sweetheart deal, you got Matt Chapman on a sweetheart deal, and maybe that makes it a little bit easier to sign on some of the guys like Matt Olson on a sweetheart deal, and the team has a little bit more money to build around that, and then you can sort of work trades for guys who don't want to play and and sign deals that are fair but a little bit team-sided, a little bit team-favorable, you know, then you can maybe trade some of those guys around and bring up some of our prospects and get some more prospects and sort of try to build, bring up and build up some young guys to fit in around a core of you know, Matt Chapman, uh, Marcus Semyon, maybe Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, who still had team control, um, Ramon Laureano, and uh, Seth Brown, who at, at this point was starting to come up and show himself a little bit, and Tony Kemp, you know, um, all, all of these guys that were really... Uh, really important to the team offensively and you know maybe maybe you just ride out some of the pitchers until their contract is their rookie contracts are up and they're free agents or maybe you trade a couple guys off and try and bring some guys up and see what happens there and maybe you can get a nice little deal for one or two of our starting pitchers that we had at that point whether it's Chris Bassett or Sean Manaya, maybe Frankie Montas, you know, keep one or two of those guys around maybe and trade one or two other guys and see what we can put together 
And, you know, that just would have been an entirely different team than what we're looking at now, obviously, obviously. I mean, I know I am preaching to the choir here that this is exactly what all of you essentially would dream could have happened, I think, you know? I mean, I get that. I'm not saying anything too, like, groundbreaking here, but I don't think that most people knew or know still that Marcus Sem- that Marcus Semyon was offered such a weird contract and that he was willing, reportedly, to take a very team-favorable deal to stay in Oakland and that Matt Chapman was offered such a big, long-term contract, which the A's never do, and that he almost took it, even though it was way less than what he would get as a free agent, way less, right? Which now he's, you know, on the Blue Jays, and he's on a two-year, $25 million contract, and depending on how he does this next year, he might be locked up for five-plus years at 20 plus million dollars he almost took a 10-year deal for 100 150 million dollars 15 million a year that's that's a huge pay cut for him if he had taken the deal and he almost did and one thing that i remember reading was that the a's not keeping marcus semian was something that ultimately nudged him against accepting the a's offer it sort of made him decide to commit to free agency. And that's that's why I'm focusing on this, you know, what could have been as Marcus Semyon, because I think he was sort of the linchpin holding, uh, not, not holding it together, but that if we would have signed him, then all these other pieces might have started falling into place. And we still would have some of the some of the young guys that we have now too you know we we would still have Nick Allen coming up and we'd still have our guys like Ramon Laureano and Seth Brown and we probably would have hung on to Cole Irvin and you know who who knows what else we would have ended up with uh from different trades and and signings and things that we would have done in the meantime had that all sort of fallen into place in the way that I wish that it could have. Well, there's a sort of trip down uh, into a fantasy world, I guess, and it's a little bit fun to think about, you know, but it's a little bit sad to think about a what-if scenario. And I'm going to do a few a few more what-could-have-beens, not necessarily about the recent A's core, uh, but maybe stretching a little bit further back to mention or tease one of my one of my ideas that is more formulated than some of my other what-could-have-been possibilities, and Eric Chavez, what-could-have-been. Obviously, that one is... Uh, you know, for people who for people who saw him play and stuck around and have been A's fans for like the last twenty years, you know, that that's a big one that I think there's been a lot of conversation about within A's circles already. 
and I think it would be a fun one to explore. But I'm not going to tell you all the details about how I'm going to approach that. I'll save that as a surprise. And I'm also not telling you when I'm going to do it because I am still working on it. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll stop here for the day. I think that was enough of a trip down memory lane, and there's no real new news. There's <laughs> no new news about the A's, really. You know, uh, training camp, uh, spring spring training is just starting to heat up a little bit, and the Coliseum is there's no new news there. But there will be a lot of stuff coming up in the future with uh, spring training progressing. And obviously the season is only about a month away. So that's a big, uh, big countdown there. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I will see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend.